This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies, from first-time directors to indie films, art house, and much, much more. You can join us at www.tameaperture.com for previous episodes and to give us suggestions on films to watch and review. This week on the podcast, we talk the classic comedy from 1980 and the directorial debut of comic legend Harold Ramis and his film Caddyshack, starring Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Michael O'Keefe, and Rodney Dangerfield. Danny Noonan, a teen down on his luck, works as a caddy at the snob-infested Bushwood Country Club to raise money for his college education. In an attempt to gain votes for a college scholarship reserved for caddies, Noonan volunteers to caddy for a prominent and influential club member. Meanwhile, Danny struggles to prepare for the high-pressure Caddy Day Golf Tournament while absorbing new age advice from wealthy golf guru Ty Webb, played by Chevy Chase. With an estimated budget of $6 million, the film would go on to gross nearly $40 million and become a sports comedy classic. With so many one-liners, it's hard to remember them all. The film runs 98 minutes and marks not only the directorial debut of Ramis, but the film debut of stand-up comic legend Rodney Dangerfield. I'm Gabe Vienendahl, film instructor, filmmaker, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined by none other than Alan Martindale, veteran podcaster, film fanatic, and editor, and also tonight, once again, we have the pleasure of having Sir Brandon Richardson join us from Glamati Road Pictures. How are you guys tonight? What's happening? We doing better tonight than last week? We're doing a little bit better than last week. You sleep better? A little more lighthearted, I would say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Probably a good idea. A good cleanser to last week's podcast with, the, with Martyrs is Caddyshack. Which is why I wore this shirt today. It, it, it's it's all about the movie quotes. This movie couldn't be any different. A hundred percent. I mean, just in I mean, just in every possible way. Yeah. It really, you know, like traditionally we go through the storyline in each scene, but really for for this movie, it's really just kind of what was read in the synopsis, which is essentially you have a main character who's a young high school kid who's aspiring to get to college, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get the college the fun to go to to go to college because he's getting that he's feeling that pressure from his parents and he's a caddy at a local country club and that's one of his means of getting the money to go to school and that's the main narrative line i mean there's other sub narratives but that's the main narrative line is that he's trying to get to this aspirational idea of what college is mm-hmm. um, and then we have all these interesting fun unique weird crazy stupid characters all the way through this, this is rodney dangerfield's film debut Correct. i believe so it is yeah that's what i but i the research indicated yeah. that it was yeah they, that's crazy they saw him on uh, carson and essentially producers so they, he didn't make it till he was old already yeah he looks old as shit in this he's always looked that way yeah. to me like that's he, crazy he came out of the womb that way yeah it's like leslie nielsen yeah well here's not. an interesting <laughs> side note to or not uh, a piece of research to that so it is his, technically his film debut, but he's actually uncredited as an onlooker in The Killing by Stanley Kubrick in 1956. Ah, crazy. So he did, that's 1956. 
Now, Caddyshack came out in 1980, so that's quite a span. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for that time, he was a pretty, uh, eventually became a pretty renowned stand-up comic. Yeah, for sure. Right? But yeah, it's his, it's his, uh, his acting debut. Um, and for us, like our generation at least, like this came out the year I was born, right? 1980. I was two. You were two, and you were well, you not were born. I was not born in '81. Spermy. Yeah. Early '81. So, Rodney Dangerfield to us, Spermy, <laughs> is in other movies that, like, you know, like at least for me, like, I don't know. There's, I, like, back I'm to a, school, back to school, or <laughs> I might as well say this right now. Nice. I hate Rodney Dangerfield. I love his stand-up. His stand-up. Well, I no, I shouldn't say I love it. Ugh. Uh, it's good in in short spurts. Like his, his one line jokes yeah. are, are good. He can't carry a movie though. But no, he's not a <laughs> no. lead, he's not yeah. a leading man. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, to, he but, just, but he's but he's not a leading man in this film. No, he's 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 sprinkled in. And man, does he ham it up! Oh <laughs> my God, does he ham it up? It, it's I painful. <laughs> well, we'll start at the first scene though. So, <laughs> and then we'll get into Rodney because he he gets cracking himself up over just uh, what he's dancing. It's like oh uh, my. God. <laughs> well, these are the one-liners, especially. Right, I mean, there's right. one-liners from every character, for but sure, Dangerfield sure. has his good share of one-liners in this film. But essentially, the movie starts out like I mentioned, and it's this kid. He's in this. It's kind of a mixed family or combined family of. There's kids everywhere in the yeah. house running around. There's already one-liners from the very beginning in the opening scene, though. You it's know, like, who who the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> like who, yeah, it's your nephew. <laughs> It just craziness yeah. going on. You, you get introduced to the main character, Danny. His dad's giving him a shit hard time for, you know, All did you make any money yesterday? Put it in the college tuition jar. Yeah. And what's interesting, I mean, those are all kind of culturally true uh, stereotypes, you know, to a degree. I mean, it probably shifted a lot in 40 years, mm-hmm. but even still, it's still kind of the mandate or the concept of go to go to college yeah. you don't want to work at the lumber yard your whole life yeah <laughs> you don't don't want to be chopping wood for the next 40 years but basically it introduces us to danny he walk, and then he and then he, we introduce him to the family and then from there kind of he goes what i do love is the is the opener with the music oh from the kenny, loggins. kenny loggins good old kenny loggins look you can look to a good handful half a dozen of 1980s films and attribute a lot of their quote-unquote success to Kenny Loggins. Uh, Top Gun Top becomes Gun. another. But there's other ones out there with his little one-liner rhythmic musical tracks uh, that start the film. And this is one of them. That was in the day where like, it was almost a requirement for a film to have an original song written for the film. Like, yeah, it, but as like almost like as almost a character of the film, like sure it still happens today. There's original songs written all the time, but it's well, it's, I, it's like no, songs that are synonymous. You know they're synonymous with those movies. Well, they're yeah. actually yeah. written themes for those right. movies by right. those artists. Correct. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And that's I love that trademark of the '80s, which is like those theme songs that are written by pop culture artists. Yeah. It's kind of. Fun. I'm just. This is going to be my first of many controversial statements. Uh, during this episode the 80s sucked the 80s when it comes to music it is the worst the absolute that synthesizer crap i can't stand it but that's why it's so good no that's what makes it that's the thing so no i hate that so my girlfriend and i and and i love 
I love Danger Zone though. I fucking love Danger Zone. No, well, we, it's we, not good. When it's we, not good. It's when, not good. I'm an '80s fiend. I love '80s shit. I hate the '80s. When we, I love it. And when we talked about, remember when we talked about uh, during Horror Month and we talked um, Fright Night? Yeah. And the synthesizer. Oh yeah. Music so in I've there. I've done this tangent before. You've already gone on <laughs> off this on this tangent before, Alan. Which, <laughs> which Reference. I get, but at the same, I'm always like a, an apologist for the synthesizer. It's cheesy, shitty. I get it. I'm perfectly fine with it, though. So, so my daughter uh, and and my girlfriend and I we we watched Ghostbusters the other night, and that is a movie that holds up. Like there there aren't many movies where you go back and it actually holds up. But the one thing that doesn't hold up is the the songs that the are songs. played throughout that goddamn movie. Except for the except the, for the theme song. The Rape. theme song. Yeah, we go back okay. to the that theme song. That one's fine. That one's great, actually. Like, but it's this great. is once again alluding to what we were mentioning. Every '80s film had written a theme song yeah. for it. Yeah, Which I like the idea, but the songs are terrible. Except for Ghostbusters. Okay. No, no, no. The, the, there's not a synthesizer for when they get their first call. That is all beautiful piano. I don't remember that. That's because you it was the, it didn't stand out to you because it was it was supposed to be there. <laughs> but the part like the montage where he's, they're he's running around the when city. It comes to 80, when it comes to eighties music, Alan's it's tone. Just, that's all, the Ghostbusters scene the when they're shit. running around the city. No, it's not. It's absolutely that part. Okay, well, maybe it's not that part. I know this movie. The part at the end, you. though, then you know when everyone's <laughs> applauding them after they took out the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, they took out Gozer. That it, is an instrumental version of the theme ter- song. No, no, it no. absolutely is. No, it's it's terrible. All right, we'll it's talk gar- about garbage. We'll, garbage. We'll, we'll get Ghostbusters on here. I mean, there is a tie-in there. Okay, Ghostbusters right. written by or co-written by Harold. This Ramis. will probably not be. This will not be the last Starring time Harold I bring up Ghostbusters in this. And I wrote, I, I put in there comic legend for a reason, because if you look at his body of work beyond that on Harold Ramis as a writer director, he's got some gems in there. Yes, he does. He's got some gems and we'll get into those later, but back to Caddyshack, which he, uh, directed kind of following Danny. Danny's a caddy. One of the first scenes after he gets to the, to the, uh, after we hear our Alan's favorite theme song <laughs> by Kenny Loggins <laughs> and he arrives at the country club, it shows him and he's caddying for ty webb ty webb's played by chevy chase this scene to me is hilarious there's so many little little things in here chevy chevy chase in the 80s is all time well all time alan definitely okay i was gonna say i was here i was already gonna go say go fuck yourself (laughs) no you will say that later but no, Chevy Chase, and say what you want, he doesn't have the best reputation. People no, don't he like doesn't. him. He's, he he's doesn't. an asshole. But say what you want. The fact that he can play Ty Webb, uh, like a playboy millionaire who's just suave and, and funny and, and also play Clark Griswold. Yeah. It's fucking great. Like he's got the fact that he can do those two characters is amazing to me. And Fletch. And Fletch. Fletch like, is it's, all time. He's absolutely Chevy Chase in the 80s. Fantastic. Well, in the prep for this, I was watching that interview and it had Chevy Chase in. There's an interview about the behind the scenes of Caddyshack. And yeah. in the interview, Chevy Chase is in there. And he actually credits a lot of his development of those characters to Harold Ramis. Oh, for sure. And he's like, look, because Harold Ramis also directed uh, National Lampoons. Yeah, Vacation. Um, the Vacation. The vacation. So Cr- Clark Griswold, you know, that yep. character developing who that character is, he credited a lot of that to Harold Ramis. So... When he when you're talking about Ty Webb, you know, the million dollar play, the millionaire playboy, uh, just kind of self centered, egotistical, whatever. Right. Um, it fits into 
potential what you hear about he fits into his character a little sure. bit as a for person sure. in his personality too well, his uh, his whole on weekend update it was what was his intro it was well like, well he would, i'm chevy chase and you're not yeah, like, yeah. what a total asshole thing yeah. to say you know i mean <laughs> even the the shot where he's doing the the zen master stuff with the the and, and he's like and the, the and uh, Danny goes, oh, that's a nice shot, sir. And he goes, thank you very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like everything's yeah, yeah. about yeah, he's, yeah it's about sure. pompous, pompous assholes type type of stuff. Um, but he's he's caddying for Danny's caddying for for Ty, and Ty's talking to him. He's like, do you do drugs, Danny? <laughs> and he's like, yes. And he's like, good. <laughs> he goes every day. Every day. Good. Good. <laughs> you know, the whole the whole opening scene is just full of one liners. Um, but but Ty's definitely a, a douchebag, but in a very funny and comical way. Yeah, I don't actually view him that much. I think he's the most likable character in the whole movie. You like it? Yeah. Everyone else sucks. Like everyone else is a piece of shit. I except think... for Maggie. Oh, you like Maggie? Well, she. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't say I like her, but she's the only other character that's not a piece of shit. Tell me why this is interesting. Because instead of walking through the movie entirely, everyone's probably seen Caddyshack or at least has some form of familiarity with it tell me why everyone else i want to know why you think the characters are a piece of shit okay well let's start with danny okay go with um, danny first cheats on his girlfriend no problem no, <laughs> i mean no problem no questions asked and he, and his redemption is is saying i've been a creep lately you know like no dude that, that's a that's a shitty thing to do um obviously all the caddies they're all they're all dicks Rodney Dangerfield is just an asshole. He's an asshole the whole yeah. time. Um, uh, Ted but Knight. in Danny's defense, okay, we're talking about a high school kid in nineteen eighty, red blooded male who gets an offer from from Lacey Underall, who's Judge Schmelz's niece, and she's hot. I don't. That's not an excuse. Okay, that's not an excuse. Not but at all. As a high school kid with a girlfriend? <laughs> in 1980. It doesn't okay. matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter. It matters. Extrapolating myself from my position today. Wait, why was it more acceptable in 1980 than now? I don't think, think it's uh, ever been acceptable to I don't think the I don't think the year has anything to do with it. I'm more centered on the concept of a high school red-blooded male who has a girlfriend. <laughs> Well, why have a girlfriend if you're going to go have sex with someone else? Break up with her. Don't just don't have a girlfriend. You're going to tell me. <laughs> he wants to marry her. Be honest. He with even says, I want to marry you, stop, Maggie. Alan, I want to marry you. Already stop. I seriously want to marry you. You're going to tell me that in high school, if you had a girlfriend and a hot college girl, like I, a hot college girl came to you and said, hey. I want you to cheat on your girlfriend and was offering the services. You're not doing it? Well, as, as someone... Oh, he digresses! And as someone, he no, digresses! I mean, I'm answering the question. As someone who is a very moral human being who would never, ever make a mistake or ever give in to the temptations of the flesh, goddamn right I wouldn't cheat on her. Okay. No way. Man, but you're... Maggie isn't exactly <laughs> Wait, can we go back to either. That's true. Oh, you're right. You know what? She's a piece of shit, too. Yeah. yeah. Remember? Yeah. I'm not even sure it's your yeah. baby. Here you are defending but, Maggie. But wait a minute. Was that real or not? Because he said, I know you're making that up. I think it was real. You think it was real? real? She's, okay. She's Irish. She's Irish. <laughs> She's a red-blooded female in the 80s. Who that's looks, in high school. She also looks like she's 35 years old. She looks old. 
But there's always one girl in high school who looks old. So let's continue on with our with our cast of upstanding characters. Keep here. going on this. Judge Schmales, obviously, goes without saying. Judge Schmales is, uh, yeah. Uh, his grandkids, they're terrible. What other characters am I missing here? Brian, I actually Bri- think Brian Doyle Murray. Who's that? Oh, he, uh, Lou. I don't remember his character name. The, the head he, of the. He was the head of the caddies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah, because you know what? You're right, because he even reluctantly was officiating that illegal man. Okay, I'll give you him. I'll give you him. I, I thought Lou was... Yeah, he's nice. Yeah, he's nice. He's nice. Um, I can't think of another good character other than... The gopher? Like, Ty... Ty... I don't think Ty was a bad guy at all. You're missing... Okay, some of those I will concede and say that, yes, they are not good characters in the sense of their personality uh-huh. not good people but carl spackler is a good dude yeah he's a good dude he's a good dude nothing he's is too wrong dumb with to carl be anything else hey watch your tongue i mean he he, well, he does lust after the old ladies which is creepy but not bad it's creepy because he's single it's pretty funny so it's not bad yeah when he's when he's washing his ball <laughs> <laughs> bill oh you're wearing green because you want to hide uh, <laughs> While we're on Bill Murray, one of the most interesting aspects of that documentary I watched yeah. was the fact that when they brought in Bill Murray, it was at the very last minute, and he had no lines. Interesting. He had no really? lines. Well, he was, it was because I didn't. It, I didn't get to the last bit of that documentary, but okay. that was what was presented. Then that he he came in with no. They they words. they brought him in and. So the documentary you're talking about, you have the Blu-ray. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it. Yeah, it's you're a, gonna have to because yeah. I actually want to see it. And they have a, a like a feature documentary about the production. Right? Well, actually, the Blu-ray has two. It has a, like a shorter, like thirty-minute one, and then they have one that's like an hour and a half. Okay. So that that was brought to light in I think the hour and a half one, where they just they kind of brought him in, and in true Bill Murray, is he gonna show? We don't know, right? Right. Because God knows, and he showed up, and they just kind of let him loose, and let him kind of do his thing, and. He he only had like I think he had like five days to shoot everything, all his stuff, and then he had to do that scene with uh, Chevy, who they yeah they added that in because they had the two biggest stars and they didn't have a single scene together. And also they had a little beef coming from SNL. They weren't always best buddies. I always want to know. I want to know what the beef was there. In the doc, they Chevy Chase does allude to some almost physical altercation with Bill Murray on SNL, and he said in a. He was actually very endearing about how he spoke about Bill, mm-hmm. even though they had their beef, because mm-hmm. he talked about how Bill can be, in the way that he is on set as an actor and gets into character and kind of plays into the role, he can be a little bit of a bully, <laughs> is, what, is what Chevy Chase Interest, said. That's interesting to me, because he just he doesn't strike me as a no, guy he, who is like that. He doesn't. But, but yeah. So. But, and, and, so, Carl, so you got Carl Spackler, Carl, assistant greenskeeper. He's a nice guy. You think that that Danny is kind of he's kind of I would say quote unquote in terms of the storyline, the main lead mm-hmm. because he we're 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 watching it to see what happens with him and then all these other characters coming to play. But you say he's a complete jerk. Uh, Ty, it, played by Chevy Chase, is he's in the. I don't think he's bad. He's neutral. He's not bad. No, I, I, he's the most likable character in the movie for me. Al, who's played by Rodney Dangerfield is a jerk. I mean, right. Point blank. Yeah. Judge Schmelz. Uh, obviously jerk in his own 
in a very stuck cartoonish, up. almost cartoonish way. He's like, stuck up. Yeah. He's the antagonist. He's like the dean in all the college movies. Maggie is also like Danny. She's sleeping around. Yeah. So you you were defending Maggie. If, if she's sleeping around, then she's then she's scummy. Okay. But if not, because that's up in the air as far as I'm concerned. What about Tony, the other caddy? Oh, he's an asshole. The cigarette guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an asshole. And Lacey, who is under yeah. his, is, is Judge She's Smells. playing everybody. She's playing everybody. And Kenny Loggins an asshole for writing that shit at the beginning yeah, of the film. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Alan's going off on this one. <laughs> and that's the podcast, everybody. Come back next it. week. He gives it. I have more controversial statements coming up, man. I, I got So, but but the this. concept is now. So Ty, not Ty. Uh, Danny's going through. And there's all these scenes. We get introduced to the caddies. We get introduced to Lou. Lou's the guys overseeing the caddies. We get introduced to Tony, who's one of the other caddies, and. Um, there's kind of a hierarchy to the caddies. Danny's at the top of that hierarchy. Also, uh, I would I would probably venture to say that uh, that um, Tony's at the hierarchy of that of that caddy group of people, and they don't get along um, because after this, the the funny scene with Chevy Chase with Ty, and he's talking about. There's also uh, a a confrontation at the caddy shack between uh, between uh, Lou. Or not Lou, I'm sorry, between and Tony, Tony. And, and Danny. and um, Over the Coke. Over the Coke. Over the Coke. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to, like, everybody likes Cokes. What was that podcast from? We were talking about it before. It was... Uh, it was oh, the, it was The Loveless. The I Loveless. knew I was going to bring it back into the Loveless. this. No, you want to get me angry. The, you talk about The Loveless. <laughs> if I bring up The Loveless by Catherine Bigelow, but there's always Coke somewhere. Someone's having it. Yeah, wants it's, they it's want it's a like Coke. badass bikers are drinking Coke. <laughs> but in this case, they fight over the Coke. Yeah. Cause, uh, well, because gotta, Tony can't afford yeah. it. Right. Well, you got to love the 80s fights. They're so formal. Like, yeah, they don't right? just start punching each other. Like, no, we're going like, outside. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. comes. <laughs> like, Danny comes out of the caddy shack, and, like, it's this grouping. It's everyone's rounding, you yeah. know, the circle. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a ritual. Yeah. I mean, and, and everyone's okay with it. Yeah. Like, you curb your anger enough for the, for the fight. You're okay, not doing it's about it. to go down. It's a polite fight. It's a polite right. fight, yeah. which was, you know, kind of anticlimactic, of course, because nothing really happened. Right, but right. Someone no, fell but off then, the roof, and no, they jump. The kid, the other caddy, they're ready to fight. Danny and Tony are ready to go at it, and then the one caddy kid, the younger one in the hierarchy, Tony's little brother, Tony's little brother, brother jumps off and the shack. What a little and lands on Danny. What a little shithead. See, he see he was not doing the proper protocols no i agree i yeah, agree that, that was a that was a breach in, in protocol that's a war crime as far as i'm concerned absolutely uh, that, what a shithead and this tussle leads to the gumball machine being broken and lou getting pissed understandably Poor lou, man probably, he's got to deal with these, these he probably put like 75 dollars in there yeah and and and, and nowadays that's like 500 dollars. yeah i'm just so that's solid math right there We're, that, <laughs> <laughs> wait you counted all those gumballs? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he, he's, Rain man over here. He's still framed. <laughs> he's still framed. He's all one, two, three, four. No, I, just, I can just see it. I can just see it. And in your head, you were like, man, I feel so bad for Lou. Oh, yeah. It's um, like dollars. <laughs> yeah. But, but then these, it kind of introduces us to the silliness of all these caddies. But the real, the real gem of the, it, it comes just a bit later. Uh, Judge Schmelz comes into the, into the country club, and he sees uh, uh, signs of a gopher, which for a golf yeah. course is 
completely, it's detrimental. Yeah. It's nobody wants that. It's an end game. Mm-hmm. And he goes over and starts yelling at the groundskeeper and telling the groundskeeper, you know what I saw in here? I saw gophers. And the grounds, I want, I'm all rid of, I want, I'm all, you know. And then the groundskeeper walks over to his assistant, and he's, and, which is Bill Murray. This scene, this is so funny too, this scene. Is, walks over and starts telling him, and the groundskeeper's Scottish. Mm-hmm. So he's got that <laughs> Scottish accent. <laughs> he's yelling at, he's yelling at Bill Murray, <laughs> telling him we got to get rid of all the gophers. And Bill Murray thinks he's saying golfers. <laughs> I want you to kill every last gopher on the course. I want you to kill every last gopher on the course. <laughs> I don't know where Murray came up with that side lip thing. Like, this is where I think there's. This is not all. Is that really all ad lib? Because by the way, Bill Murray's brother co-wrote this film. Who plays oh. the Lou? Yeah. Or no? No, he plays. No. Uh, Lou did co-write it too, though. There's three writers. There's three writers. Um, Brian Doyle Murphy. Brian Doyle right. Murphy. Harold Ramis. Murray. Murphy. Harold, Harold Ramis. And then, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Bill Murray's brother. Um, is it John? I, he had two brothers right on this film? Oh, no, it is Brian. It's Brian, no, it's Doyle, Brian Doyle Murray, Murray, Harold Ramis, and Douglas Kenny. Yeah. That's and right. Brian, he plays the caddy's boss. Yeah. Yeah, but Bill Murray's brother is somehow involved in this, and I can't remember what it was. Well, Brian Bill Doyle Murray is, is his brother. brother. Oh, he is? Yeah. Yeah, oh, they, I, there's like eight Murrays. I never knew that. Yeah, that's who... Oh, really? Never knew that. That's Bill's brother. But this is where I think... That's why he's in all the... Yeah. When, when the groundskeeper comes up to Bill Murray's character and is talking about getting rid of all the gophers, and he's like, gophers... I don't is all that is all that is all that ad libbed. I don't know. I feel well, like again, he may have come up with it. Well, here's the thing: the documentaries say that he had no lines written. I know that's so. So they must sure have just before they have to shoes. throw him a like like here's the story. Right, right. Go with it. Right. Hey, you can forget about the thirteenth and the practice green. I've got a more important job. I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy. But if I kill all the golfers. They're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! They're great kid, not golfers. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. All right, let's do the same thing, but with gophers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. See, but those, that interaction, that's not... I mean, I guess that could be ad-lib. It, it really He's could that be. good. Of course, it's Bill Murray. So it's I, I think they probably came up with it off-camera. And they're like, all right, let's shoot it. And then, and then it just kind of worked itself yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah. This is an iconic character. This is the this is the character you think of when you think of Caddyshack. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I would definitely to say. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Go for it. Let's go. This is my least favorite Bill Murray role because there's something about when actors do the little goofy voice thing that it just doesn't like. Bill Murray's still funny in this because of all the one-liners. And he makes it funny, but it's still, it's just, it's like Ben Stiller when he, what is that dumbass movie, Zoolander? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, the funny voice isn't isn't funny. Like, it doesn't Wait a make minute. it funny. You think Zoolander is a dumbass movie? Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. I'm afraid I'm on Alan's course. It's terrible. I, I it's like it's need, just terrible. Like it's, You guys need to lighten up. The, the one exception I can think of is uh, Jim Carrey in Cable Guy. 
Like I, he does a little voice, and you I, does a lisp. You yeah. just redeemed yourself because that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great, but it's just when when these when actors when they have to do the little funny voice thing, it's not fun. It doesn't make it funny. I, I think with Carl Spackler, it's totally acceptable and it totally fits into the character and it makes it funnier. But Bill Murray's because if if because the problem with that is if Bill Murray delivers it without that slight accent, then it feels. He like he's too. He's got it all upstairs. And the point of the character is that he doesn't have it all. You're upstairs. right. I think he in could Bill, probably in do Bill it. In Murray's case, though, I'm thinking if he delivers it like he does Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters. No, no, not then, like that. But, right. but without an accent or something to to ground it into complete absurdity, then it that doesn't it doesn't translate the same for me. Because yeah. Carl Spackler is a character who's 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 one. He, he's, he's, he's lost it. He's a little bit slow, right? He's definitely a numb. Yeah. With Robin Williams. Well, he, he surely beats the shit out of uh, Dan Aykroyd in Caddyshack, too. <laughs> that I, was like the replacement. I don't even consider Caddyshack 2 to be oh, part of it. Oh, it's so bad. It's horrible. It. It's like 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. But while we're talking about oh, Carl Spackler... Awful. This the one of the my favorite scenes, and this is the thing that we're gonna do. You have to choose one. You have to choose a favorite scene. You have to. End credits. I joke. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a short podcast. Okay, we'll pick a favorite scene. Love it. And he he's uh he's talking to one of the caddies, and he's got <laughs> he's got the pitchfork pitch to his throat. Yeah, oh that's great. So I jump ship in Hong Kong. And I make my way over to Tibet. And I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro Jack. And who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself. The 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald. Striking. So I'm on a first tee. What am I giving the driver? He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter, the Lama. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Gunga Lagunga. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, won't be any money but when you die on your deathbed you will receive total consciousness so i got that going that scene to me is priceless it's so funny well th- th- that whole that that scene where or th- not that scene but that line at the end where he said oh that's the best part of the scene yeah. i he we're ending out the course and i say hey llama how about a little something for the effort <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> but the way he says it is like, "Hey, Llama, yeah, how about a little something for the out?" Like it's very forceful. You know? Like you're talking to the Dalai Lama, <laughs> and then he's like, "He tell you know what he says to me? <laughs> there won't be any money, but when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness." <laughs> so I got I, that going for me. So I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> so in in the documentary, it does say that that thing was completely. That, I believe improvised, it. I believe, yeah. and it was a real pitchfork. And the terror on that poor actress, that kid, was because yeah. the thing is with Kurt with Murray, he is a loose 
cannon. Oh, yeah. Well, and, that's what we were saying. Yeah. I think that's what Chevy Chase was alluding to. Yeah. He's, a, he's not a, a, in a bully in the sense of, like, you don't know where he's going to go or how yeah. far he's going to take it. Yeah, because, I mean, so he's got this real pitchfork at his neck with Murray doing God knows what. knowing No, no one knows where he's going right, with it, except right. probably not even Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like... He's, he's and just like that, <laughs> trying to keep right against his neck. Too. Oh yeah, it's, I mean it's touching his neck. His <laughs> yeah, neck. yeah. And so anyway, I, I, that that I, was a very. But I think that scene to me just makes that scene and the scene where he's doing the practice and pretending that he's playing at the Masters. <laughs> it's so great. And he's doing. We were talking about this yeah. before, but when he's doing, he's a Cinderella boy. <laughs> what an incredible Cinderella story! This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about... 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's going to... Looks like he's got about an eight iron. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! <laughs> Which I would imagine that scene also is. This podcast will probably just be me intercutting a bunch it, of uh, sound bites from the movie. It, it is just like quotes. It's, that, that's, that's, that's the best part of this movie, just the one-liners. The one-liners the are quotes. the best. Yeah. The story is like, whatever. It's not even a it's, story. Yeah, it's it's just, just a bunch of things are it's happening. It's like an event. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. Oh, there's a story there. Th no, there's don't. a story. He needs money for college, and it's like, okay, forget about that for like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then stuff is just going to happen, and then, we'll, and then we'll remind you, and then forget about it again for another 20 minutes. But that's exactly what happened in like Animal House. There's really oh, for sure. There's not really this no story an in Animal this is House. A quirky '80s comedy, you know. That's all it yeah. is. It's yeah, it's just. There's, that's all you really want. That's all you want. That's all you need. You don't. You don't need to have some deep sort of meaning. And like the whole gopher bit. <laughs> stupid. It's I'm stupid. Sorry. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's so. Stupid. I thought it was great. I loved every like, minute. I think they should have trained an actual gopher. You know what? Well, they tried. <laughs> they tried. That's what they did. They, yeah, did. they, they tried did to get some. Yeah. What wasn't a gopher though? It was a. Uh, like it was a marmot another or another marmot of yeah. sorts. Good luck. Another vermin. <laughs> but this movie is—it's a, a kids' movie with boobs and drinking and swearing. Yeah, that's and what it is. It's and basically balls. the classic yeah. late seventies, early eighties SNL cast, just having yeah. a good time making something funny. That's how I see it. Right. So, kind of as they're talking about making something funny. So, with Harold Ramis at the helm. And he, he obviously has that flair and that that touch on what was needed to to be done. But um, in the documentary, I don't know if they say this, but they one of the producers had to come up with uh, five or six alternative directors in case Ramis starts bombing. 
Interesting. And so interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting side so, note. Cause, I mean, because he he really, I mean, he hadn't directed anything before. No, there was a a, a green producer, a green director, and he know, was an actor. He had done some acting, of course, with yeah, with, with Stripes. No, no, without Stripes, with Astor, Animal House, Animal House, yeah. and you know, and I think he wrote. He'd written a few things. He was part of the TV series, the the famous SCTV series. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uh, big actors that came out of that, that Canada. That, yeah, that uh, improv group, that comedy group. He was one of them. Well, he met um, Harold Ramis. Met Bill Murray while he was outside. Oh shit! What was he doing? He was he was like selling something, like he was on the corner selling like hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but he was the funniest hot dog salesman he ever he ever had met. But you know what the thing is about you know? Bill Murray? I could picture him just going and doing that right now. Yeah, just, just opening up a hot, hot dog stand. For, yeah, just for no reason. Yeah, just, just like on on Forty Second Street. Yeah, exactly. Just because like, <laughs> that's shit he does. Yeah. But they, like I said, he being part of second. It was Second City. It's called SCTV. Yeah. Second City. We'd set out right outside of that set, venue. But, and, and a lot of big names did come out of Second City. It was a huge well, improv. I mean, oh, it's still, I think it still is. It's still pretty yeah, active. I think Because yeah. so. it was at least later. It may, I don't know if it's, I'm sure it still is. But even later, a lot of the SNL, SNL would basically siphon off a lot of SCTV yeah, guys. Yeah, like poach bring a lot to, of those Yeah, guys, poach yeah. them off. Because yeah. it had Eugene Levy. It had Catherine John O'Hara. Candy. Catherine O'Hara. So like, and then Rick Moranis, like but a lot of big none names. None of those came out of people were even on SNL, were they? Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, SCTV was where yeah. they got their. And then they moved yeah. into movies. But yeah. the SNL characters, of course, with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it pretty. It, that's kind of interesting that they would kind of look for a secondary director just in case Ramis started to flop. I mean, it becomes real evident later in his career that he's a hell of a film director mm-hmm. comically. Because if you look at his, at his at his body of work, with with Ramis, like it's pretty extensive, and he has some really good class. At least for me, like a lot of stuff that I consider classic or things that I love. Well, it got Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's Stripes, um, National Stripes. Lapoons, and these are these are writer director roles. Mm-hmm. But Ghostbusters, um, Ghostbusters Two, Groundhog Day, he like you mentioned. Multiplicity. I didn't even know he that he did Multiplicity, which is hilarious is that a right direct or is that just a direct he just directed okay and then analyze this uh and analyze that and then he kind of he did year one which was a jack black film with michael Sarah that oh i didn't realize it didn't do that. fantastic but something like groundhog day that's all time oh absolutely and, oh yeah that's and, great and multiplicity as well as like those he are like did the all new times. ghostbusters he wrote the new ghostbusters well i think they gave him a character or the, credit. the 2016 one with- i think he didn't write. It's a writer, was, Ghostbusters. I think he was dead by then. No, he had passed away, I think. Yeah, Be- I think he died in like 2014. Because, but, but what they know. do with those, what they do with those, and we can double check, is that they give uh, credits because they had developed It's like a legacy credit yeah. or something like that. Or a character credit. Yeah, yeah. Like you see it, like we see it with Star Wars yeah. where it says based on characters by George yeah, Lucas. Yeah. So it's probably in that vein. But he did some, some really good films and had like a really good kind of direct 2014 i was right yeah so he passed away yeah in in 2014 um but in terms of caddyshack i mean even look we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast but when you are a first-time director and really his experience is pretty limited in the filmmaking process Mm -hmm. 
at all. I mean, sometimes you have one something as an actor, maybe one credit or, or even if you're, so a lot of directors come out of editing or they do other things or DP work or whatever it might be. And they've, they've, they've built or a writer and they've built like very uh, kind of like a history or a semi track record of doing something right. He's for not having a lot of that really with just some of those second city things and never really jumping into filmmaking. Like I think even as silly as this is, and it's meant to be, that's the whole point of it. It's not as, I don't think they're looking at it as a, a serious piece themselves. This isn't Gone with the Wind. No, they're not. (laughs) I don't think Harold Ramis and Chevy Chase and Bill Murray were like, let's make Gone with the Wind or like, let's make this classical narrative. We're not practicing our Oscar speeches in the mirror. We're just, this is not happening. But all of us from experience can look on working on a B movie or or something in a film and go, man, this is really stupid. And it's not... (laughs) But like it's, stupid yeah. in the sense that doesn't carry any weight. Right, right. Like I don't want to watch this. Whereas for me, at least, when I watch Caddyshack, I can watch it and be entertained and laugh. And even with the absurdity and the stupidness of it and the characters and some of them, you're, I do agree with you. Like most of them are not overly endearing no. characters. They're no. all kind of asses. Right. But it's still fun to watch because – those one-liners will. Ca- this is a movie where a one-liner will carry you through the whole thing. Oh, for sure. That's the whole. That's the whole appeal of this movie. It's the entire appeal, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's probably why they brought in Dangerfield. Yeah. To try to to, and because because that's his. He doesn't comedy. even take a breath. That's I mean, his he comedy. just he just his comedy is one liner And whips I like the way I like you know his little insults he's dishing out to everybody. You know, like oh, get a new haircut. You know, just oh, what is this the morgue or I, you know? Just, yeah. It's I like it. It's fun. But then when he starts dancing. And when he starts swinging a golf club, just like, this is ridiculous, man. Because it all leaves. Let's yeah. party. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, we're going to get laid. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Because while all these one-liners are happening, there's a couple things going on. One is that Danny, of course, is trying to get a scholarship to the to the caddy scholarship mm-hmm. to try to help pay for college. That's a fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. That's fine. It's fine. That's a storyline. Don't laugh at it, bitch. <laughs> It works. It's it. it Brennan wants. It gets us through the movie. Yes, it needed something. Brennan, Brennan's over a, here. This pretentious ass. <laughs> he well, wants, I he want, wants Inception over here. Seriously, like layer upon top. I, I want layer upon layer. I think the main storyline not is, complex is, enough. <laughs> is Bill Murray versus the Gopher. That's what. Well, that's what I was going to get to. You have Danny's storyline. I'm more interested in that. Which is okay. Hold the fuck on. Calm down. Let me get there because I agree with you. Finish my damn line, Brandon. <laughs> uh, no, but you've missed me. But uh, that that that's one storyline, and that's kind of the main a a line sure. of the story, which is Danny trying to get into college. Then you have these other B storylines, and the primary I would say the primary B storyline is that the Gopher is going to uh, uh, block all of that from happening because it's digging these holes, and Bill Murray's character is running around. Carl's trying to figure out how to take out the Gopher. Mm-hmm. So that the course can stay up, and then they merge at the end. Those two sure. storylines merge to su- in the end. Right. So I still think it's it's not high end material, but the story's still there, and they and they do converge them at the end to make it work out. No, the movie would not have worked without something to, to carry us through. Yeah, the convergence yeah. of those yeah, yeah, two stories yeah. works though. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. sure. I, I did also like, and this is more of a sequence and a storyline with the priest. And having the best game of his life, 
God, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and Bill Murray's like, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Well, what would you do? Well, I don't, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know I the funny going. thing about that particular actor? Mm-hmm. You do. I don't. Well, oh, he, the, he he was in the Ten Commandments. Oh yeah, and that's that's the music from the and Ten that's Commandments. The music, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's he was he he didn't play Moses. What did he play? He played uh, who cares? He was in the Ten Commandments, right, right, and so like right. Yeah, that was a whole kind of tie. Well, then when he misses, what does he say when he misses that putt? He, I think he says oh, like shit. squirrel farts. No, he says rat farts. Rat farts. <laughs> I think it's struck down. God's pissed that he said rat farts. <laughs> I think that's funny too. See, and then later he's drinking <laughs> in the bar, and the guy's like, "Yeah, he's given up. He's yeah. given up, and he's, he's just he's, like, he's not the 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 priest that he once was. Do you he's, want another one? He's like, you never ask a priest if he wants another drink. <laughs> like, oh my God, there is no God. <laughs> All because he That's didn't get his, his his club record best best round. Oh my God, best round. That's to go. my second favorite part of the whole movie. Love it. That I think that is a funny little piece to it. And, yeah. And those little and there's little moments like that all the way throughout. Well, my funniest. My, my the funny part for me, I don't know why it's so funny to me, but but the Jaws turd. In the, oh, it's I, classic. I mean, I, the Jaws turd, and and again in the documentary, it, it states that was based on a true event that happened to Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. In in. I'm sure. I, I'm sure it is. It, and, but and it's funny, it's but just so great. The whole the duty, like this is the part where I'm having a hard time. Like this is a kids movie, but the, there's too many boobs and stuff in it for kids. So it's like, I mean, so pick duty? Your, pick you're going your, duty? Like, that's the word you're going to use, duty? I like it. I think it's funny. It's like, come on, man. Like, it's just like. What do you want him to say, Alan? I, I want him to what say shit. What do you shit. want him to say? I want him to say shit. See, but sometimes not the swear is funnier I to agree me. with that, too. I, I agree. I, I totally hear you, but just yeah. not in this it, Because it's similar to, like, when he yells out. I mean, there is more motive for him, for the priest to yell out rat farts. Right, right. Exactly. Because he's that a one priest. Makes sense. So it exactly. makes sense. So exactly. I get what you're saying. But I think there are other times, even then, that it's still, it makes it funnier when he can't quite say the word or you have some yeah. kind of right. quote-unquote consciousness of not right. swearing. But then, again, like Bill Murray, every, the best parts of this movie are with Bill Murray. That's, I he's, will agree with you on he's that in one. the pool and he just <laughs> picks it up, <laughs> just smells it, and he's like, what? It's no big deal. It takes a bite. She passes out. <laughs> she passes out. Well, that's all the absurdity of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I love that he's... Totally dressed in a complete <laughs> biohazard <laughs> suit. <laughs> I mean, this it's is what makes this on, is what dude. makes it funny, though. Yeah, yeah. Because all the it because there's two things here. If you don't go complete absurdity, like that's absurd. Like a biohazard suit. He's cleaning right, the pool right. out. If you yeah. and there's other pieces like this in the film. If you don't push it. To the complete absurdity, it's not as funny. Well, yeah, exactly. a dancing gopher, for God's sake. Right, I mean, right, it's, right. It's, I mean, it's a hand it, pump, it, a hand yeah, puppet. Yeah, it's a hand puppet. And it's evident that it's a hand puppet. But that world that they created, and they talk about this a little yeah. bit in that doc, because the producer was like, we have to see the, the, the gopher's world. Literally, yeah. they're underground right. tunneling. And they went to ILM. Yeah. They went to to Lucas's ILM to build the underground tunnels and the looks. It was all done after the fact. It was like, I mean, they're done shooting, essentially. Right. The most important work ever done at ILM. That's right. Digging gopher. Is the gopher. The gopher holes. (laughs) Doesn't matter what they've done. 
in terms before that, all that mattered is they did the the, the world of the go. Exactly. That's funny. Exactly. You can actually see like you can see the difference in the film stock. Yeah, for like, sure. Between yeah, like the, all really the gopher. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. much more pristine. Yeah. It's much nicer. Yeah. It's all. So uh, we'll get back to a little bit of the story because Danny ultimately is going to try to win this caddy tournament. Fuck Danny. And <laughs> yeah, fuck Danny. I agree hey, 100%. He's just a kid hustling. You, His dad was a bit of a dick. Oh, for his, sure. His dad was so, a dick. And what are we so amped about pushing kids into college for? Coming from a college instructor. <laughs> what are we so amped about? Be careful about? there, buddy. Uh, no, but I mean... You don't want to be working at the lumberyard your whole life. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. the old adage, you know? Like, that's what my dad said to me. Yeah, no, it's not to, what my dad said to me. You've been working at the lumberyard your whole life. Don't want to do it. And... Someone's got to work at the Donald Lumber yeah. He runs across Judge Smells, Smells spelled S-M-A-I-L-S, Smells. Smells. You know, he runs across him at the <laughs> at the at the country club, who then encourages him, encourages Danny to like uh, apply for the caddy scholarship, and he tells him that. You know, having good grades isn't the only thing that'll get you the caddy scholarship, but winning the caddy tournaments also, so it incentivizes him to go play in this tournament, which he ends up winning. He gets the tournament victory, and as a result, Judge Schmelz, the, the, the elite country club member, is, is all about inviting him to the yacht club and, like, asking him to, like, you know, hey. After he's done mowing his lawn. After he's done mowing the lawn, of course. <laughs> after he's... <laughs> It just what is that guy's name? Ted Knight. Because yeah, Ted yeah. Knight. He's just so good. He's like, huh, huh, huh. It just like tussling. I his think hair. his acting's like, fantastic. Oh, he's so good. Like he's so over the top villain. He's it's funny. so much fun. And then when he invites him, he also says, uh, "He says the world needs good ditch diggers too." Yeah. He? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes. Damn, what a dick. And well, when he but when he gets to the country club. Or no, he's well, actually. I, I was like before that. It's before that he's serving. He's serving a banquet. He, him, and oh, Maggie right. and yeah, Danny yeah, are yeah. serving a banquet yeah. at the country club, and that's where he meets Smell's niece. Remember, because he's just like yeah, piling the right. butter on the top yeah. of the table because he's so infatuated <laughs> with his with their with the niece. If you need more butter? Just let me know. <laughs> you need more butter. Um, but this is where he kind of get. This is that other little diversion from the story that we were talking about before because he's a, he's dating maggie but now we introduce the vixen mm -hmm. the older college girl who is a bit scandalous right and this is judge Schmill's niece so this kind of gets danny excited now is this before or after danny covers for him when he throws the golf club in anger and hits that woman this is so this this I is just remember. this is just after because just after okay. he's uh or at least after or sorry before danny wins the scholarship because because he gets him in his good grace yeah because he exactly he gets smells right. in he's his good him grace cheat and he's he's doing all that kind yeah because smells but. is completely yeah he's cheating yeah he's like why don't you improve your life sir yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> just a little more he keeps kicking the ball yeah, out yeah uh so that's it th th that happens just before this and then he falls he he falls in love with his niece and then they go to the 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 yacht club and this is another like this absurd scene with rodney dangerfield where they're at the at the yacht club where what the fuck is this like this is the part I've, it's stuff like this where i'm like what does this even have to do like ff yeah 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 it's like what we were talking about last week a triple fast forward like 
fucking fast forward. Like it has, it's not entertaining. It's not funny. It's just Rodney Dangerfield doing weird shit. <laughs> I think they filmed it great. I loved it. You go back to, <laughs> if you go back to Harold Ramis being a first time director, uh, that's a lot logistically to manage in filming uh, a Marine scene and making sure that it has like some kind of coordination in the edit. I thought he did good yeah. it, in the story. You're right. That's I mean, true. it's dumb, Shot but like well. technically it's actually put together pretty well. It's and him. so is the whole movie, to be the honest. The whole movie's yeah. put together well, especially right. for a first film. But this scene in particular is a bit just like dumb. Pushes the captain out of the way, starts driving the boat around. He's like, hey. Causing smells. havoc all over the lake. And what? then he, he smashes into his fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> he bumps in it and then he just drops the anchor on it. <laughs> and then the dumbest line of the whole movie, hey, you scratched my anchor. <laughs> it's like, good. You just ruined his boat. Like, you're not, you're going to be sued. Like, it's not just like a funny romp. That's a boat. I mean, it is It is a lawyer's boat. It is a lawyer's boat. Smells is a He's judge. A straight up judge. But a lawyer nonetheless, right? Well, so. and, and you have to also give Ramus credit for trying to i mean dangerfield's first movie another thing that came up in the documentary was that he uh didn't even know what to do when ramus yelled action oh really no he didn't know how to know what to do when he yelled action he had to like like um do your bit oh okay okay i'm on it yeah, yeah no yeah. problem and then they would do his bit and so, they were also joking in the documentary about how Ramis didn't know what to do when the camera started rolling yes. <laughs> and forgot how to yell action. So all these little tidbits yeah. on the side, like he still puts together a film that works, right? Um, check the gate. Check, check the gate. The, um, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> it goes to prove that you don't need to know all those technicalities and still you can make a movie. But Danny goes on. He has a bit of an infatuation with, with Judge Schmell's niece. Also, at this point, Judge Schmell's niece kind of has uh, eyes for Ty, mm-hmm. who's played by Chevy Chase. And she kind of arrives at his house. <laughs> that scene. In this scene. When, I think it's written in Chevy Chase's contract that he has to have pool scenes with hot blondes naked. Yeah, got it. At least from, uh, yeah. 19, from 1975 yeah. to... Well, ever. Whenever he stopped Con- being yeah. a big star. <laughs> this is a film. This is a scene. He ends up, you know, kind of courting and like getting along with Judge Smell's niece. And then they start flirting and doing all the stuff they're spending the night. And then all of a sudden they end up in the pool naked. It's very similar to Lampoon's yeah. vacation yeah. when he ends up naked with Christy Brinkley in the yeah. pool. Um, he God must- bless naked Christy Brinkley in the pool. <laughs> Can I just throw that out there? My God. Well, yes, you can. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm not going to stop you uh, from, but I'll say Cindy Morgan, who plays Lacey Underall, also, uh, it's it's okay. Well, yeah, it's I mean, okay. the first time we see her, <laughs> she's like wearing a golf shirt okay with, with no bra and running down the hill. Like, okay. So they have a fling. So that's when we know that, that Smells' niece is also a bit of a flirt and also kind of sleeps around. Well, and the, the whole thing with Chevy Chase where he's singing her the love song and he takes the, the shot of the cue. <laughs> like, that's funny. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Sing me a love song. I'm gonna. Yeah? Mm-hmm. This stuff's terrible. It's good. You don't know how to do it. How do, how do I do it? I'm gonna show you. 
I was born to love you. I was born to lick your face. I was born to rub you. But you were born to rub me first. It's got to be improv, too. I think I feel like that's a lot of improv. Right, right. Well, once again, the documentary really does. And you're right. Like, I mean, there's things in there they wrote. Of course, there was sure. a script. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have got it financed. Yeah. However, once you get on set, that script completely changes. Goes away. Goes yeah. away to some extent. Especially when you have these. They're good players. Like, when it comes to acting and doing those improvisational things, I mean, you got to, like, kind of let the reins go. Yeah. You know? And I think that's what definitely one of those scenes where you do that. Yeah. Well, and that's where having Ramus as a director is very advantageous, is because he understands those worlds and he understands what those actors need. And he act- he knows what's funny, but he also I feel like because you're naive and you haven't been brought up in this regimented idea of what it means to be on set, you don't know what else is. You know what I mean? You don't have that sub that mm-hmm. that behind the. You don't have that frame of mind of like, oh, we're not staying to the blueprint. Well, they, right. and, and they're buddies. Yeah. I mean, a lot of yeah. these guys are buddies, you know? Well, it and sounds so it's like, like the production was just a party. That's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they would get so drunk at night that they wouldn't show up on time. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> 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 Which, I mean, even on little B-movies that we've put together and worked on, like, that shit don't fly. Yeah. No, no. No. It just doesn't. No. Like, hey, we're shooting a film. No one's getting paid. We're doing this. We'll see you at eight. You're there at eight. Right, yeah. right. We're getting it done. We're not fucking around. Well, yeah. If so Maybe we're doing something wrong. It, yeah, <laughs> seriously. I mean, if you don't show up on time, you're fired. You're replaced. It's yeah, easy. You're yeah. out of there. Yeah. But we... we <laughs> Quick, we need another free person. What are we going to do? Yeah. Can, yeah. We get, uh, can we get someone free? <laughs> oh, I got them lined up, baby. <laughs> I make one phone call. <laughs> I own this town. What are you doing? So, but Danny ends up, so, uh, smells his niece, ends up sleeping with Chevy Chase, with Ty. Sm- smells his niece. Smells his niece. Smells his niece. <laughs> um, then Danny ends up also winning the caddy tournament. And now he's in, even more so in, in smells his good graces. He's applying for this scholarship. He's sucking up more than ever. And while he's sucking up, at the yacht club, smells his niece is there, right? And she starts noticing that Danny is trying to uh, suck up and, and kiss ass. And he's bombing. To smells, and he's not doing very good. And she starts giving him a hard time. And in her own way, now she's flirting with Danny. Yep. And this is where me and Alan have contrary opinions. <laughs> because Alan's mind is that Danny should be loyal to Maggie, who sleeps around on Danny. Allegedly. Allegedly. Nothing's proven here. Maggie Defender. <laughs> this week on Montel, we're going to have a paternity test to figure out who's If Lacey the smells his daughter, uh-huh. or daughter, niece. Niece. Fuck. It's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> smells his niece, makes a proposition, and we. Alan doesn't take it. I take it. Do you, as a high school kid with a cheating girlfriend allegedly cheating girlfriend allegedly you don't uh, you don't but be- you don't believe that she cheated on you see me in high school is a very different person than no i, I agree with me in high school wouldn't yeah because but i just wouldn't but right. if i'm thinking about it i'd be like but yeah if i, I have if i know if i knew then what i'd know now absolutely 
He sleeps with smells his, his knees. Yes. Okay. Twice. Brandon, I hate to tell you this. You're a scumbag. I know. Sorry, man. <laughs> I was feared to break it to well, you. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I was so fiercely loyal to all of my girlfriends, and I never cheated on any of them. I really, truly didn't. But you're going to break that now. Except <laughs> one time. Now I'm older. Except one wiser. time. Now I would have done it every time. <laughs> I did do a roommate switch one oh, wow. time. Oh, my God. It was worth it, though. <laughs> oh, my God. I went from a Latina to an Italian. Damn, oh. dude. Anyway, we that's a story from another day. <laughs> no, it's not. You divulge that shit now to the audience. You know, of all the podcasts to do it on, this is probably the yeah, one to yeah. do it on. Yeah. No, I, so she was leaving. The, the one I was he's, with. He's stuttering I'm, I'm, already. I'm going to do it. No, I'm, no, I'm, I, I'm, 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 he's blushing. I don't know what happened. And then zipper sparks. And then <laughs> I was with this wonderful Latina woman. <laughs> And then I met a roommate. Wow. A, I was 21 at the time. <laughs> but you her, roommate, her roommate was a 29-year-old Italian girl from Milan. And her father designed lingerie. Cool. And the one girl left on an LDS mission, and I swooped oh, in. Oh, that's even worse, man. Oh, oh my God. Oh. I dated I dated this this Italian girl for like three months. Did you tell the other girlfriend? No. Oh man, this is like. But see, Danny slept with Smells' niece. Yep. I think he's asking you a question, my friend. Oh, you're asking me a question. <laughs> Your moral code. Then was out the window. Oh, things are getting interesting. All right, all right, all right. So anyway, Let's see more personal shit. That, that was that was that was that was my one bit of infidelity. This is a confessional, but again, I was twenty-one. I wasn't married to this woman. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm one hundred percent with why you. Why be in a relationship? She I, was in Chile. She was on the other side of the goddamn but planet. Were you still in a relationship with her? They weren't I don't married, know. Alan. It doesn't matter. They weren't married. Then what's the point of being in a relationship? She was gone on a mission. <laughs> To the viewers that don't know, she's a Mormon, and you go on a a, a mission, for, and you preach oh. the church for a year and a half. So that makes it okay, then. Well, okay. Yeah, she was on the All other right, side I of the planet. It. I got it. I got it. I got different it. hemisphere. Dim different hemisphere. Anything's fair game. Yeah, absolutely. Just totally got it. <laughs> totally. We're off the rails. I I'm on board now. My wife's listening. She's like, oh, shit. He's <laughs> going know. to Japan next <laughs> in the summer. What the hell's happening? <laughs> Anyway, so I digress. How about Caddyshack? <laughs> but hey, you know Danny is like Brandon, and they just <laughs> no moral compass whatsoever. Danny, amen, is Reverend. Like, uh, Danny ends up sleeping with with Smells' niece. Yeah, good, good for Danny. According to Alan, he would not. His moral code is moral code is strong, super strong. It's. it's Locks rock solid. Lacey cannot divert him Hell from no. those inner feelings. Hell no. Hell no. But Danny can't. He does. Yeah. So Danny does what he does. But then we also know Lacey's a bit of a, a slut because she sleeps around. She sleeps around quite a bit. With the gopher. But hey, you know what? <laughs> you know what? She's not in a relationship. 
That we know of. That we know of. That's true. That's She's a home play that card She's back a on home wrecker. Uh, good point. Playing that card back on you. She but sleeps she with does, Danny's dad. She does know that Danny's in a relationship, right? I don't know. Probably. So she doesn't know. She just is. She's playing Danny like a fiddle. She's playing everyone like a fiddle. A flute without holes is not a flute, and a donut without a hole is a Danish. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's interesting from the documentary on this on the same thing is there was a whole kind of storyline that expanded on the whole Danny and and Maggie situation that had to go out the window in order to make room for Bill Murray Kay. and the and the uh goddamn gopher. That makes a lot more sense because it the whole thing with with Danny and Maggie it seems shallow. It seems shallow and it doesn't it doesn't carry any weight. It it yeah. feels like something's missing. That makes a lot of sense then. So that's one thing Harold Ramis talks about. It's like, well, we brought this in and it was working so well. We had to make some cuts somewhere, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what we did. So yeah, because it, it but it kind of gets heartfelt for a second when mm-hmm. the, when she comes back and mentions to Danny that she missed her period and she is pregnant. And the way she told him was pretty funny too. It was like, kind of funny. Late. It was like I'm late. Late for what? For not being pregnant. <laughs> Fucking idiot, <laughs> jackass! But, but, I love but, that. But again, to it, he he offered to marry. He, was, he did. He did. Which repulsed her, of course. Well, yeah, because yeah. she's like, "You don't want to oh. marry me," and he's like, "Why?" Well, and she's like, "I don't want to marry you." <laughs> oh God, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> I love her accent. She did a good job with that accent. Irish, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the Irish, man. They're the best. So, but there is a little point here where Smells discovers Lacey and Danny had their fling, and that does lead. I mean, they're look; these plot points work no matter how much you want to shit on them. Because once Smells finds out that 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 uh, Lacey and Danny had a fling, Smells is like, I don't like Danny anymore. I don't want to recommend him for. He's like, he yeah. pulls back from the recommendation, right? Or expecting to to pull back from the right. the revoke he revokes the scholarship is right, what I should right. say. Um, <clears throat> and to your point, had had this, I mean, it's it's a well structured well, story. He doesn't. He and doesn't, we would not enjoy the movie as much as we do without it. It just puts additional conflict in. I mean, Smells yeah. actually doesn't revoke it, but Danny, that's what Danny thinks is going to happen. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to finish a little okay. bit of the story. I do want to get to some of that, yeah. so keep that in mind. But basically, Ty suggests that they discuss they they discuss a resolution of this of smells and Al over drinks, and as a result, they make a bet and they wager, which is against club rules. But nonetheless, they do it, and the wager is like twenty thousand dollars, I believe. And then he doubles it to forty, and or then they yeah. keep doubling it or or whatever. And uh, yeah, doubles to forty, and then uh, based on the outcome of the match, right. Mm-hmm. So now, sm- now smells and Al are going to go at it, and they also have um, partners in, in that. Um, smells has another player, I forget his name, but he's one of the elite club member players. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. Al has um, Ty, right, right. Who you know, just for the people who haven't seen it, he's the he's the the legendary one that no one ever really knows how well he does because he doesn't keep score. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't play for competition. He doesn't yeah. play for money, and, and he always avoids. Yeah, he's there's very that. reluctant to join this, but he does it because he doesn't like Smells. Yeah, yeah. And there's a scene earlier on where Smells is trying to ask ask Ty, "Well, what did you score? What did you What did yeah. you get on the round?" And he's yeah. like, "Well, how do you measure yourself?" And he's like, "By height." 
because Chevy Chase is like How 10 times How do you measure yourself against other golfers? By height. By height. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 6'4 or 6'5. But ultimately it leads to this standoff, right? Word spreads. The stakes get crazy. The crowd of the club builds. The next day they're in the game. Smells uh, and Cervic are playing against each other. And then uh, Cervic is like playing, who's, who's Rodney Dangerfield, plays like, He's starting out as like the worst game ever. He's mm-hmm. playing really bad. He's not playing very good. Um, and then he keeps, because of that, he keeps redoubling the wager, right? So, and Smells is like, oh, I'm in good position. You suck right. today. I'm playing good. And 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 Al keeps redoubling the wager. Cervic gets an injury in hopes of the contest will do, be declared a draw. Right. So it's faked, right? He fakes it. Yeah, he fakes the injury. So Dangerfield Cervic's character fakes the injury, in hopes that it'll be a draw. And then Lou, who's the caddy, uh, what, what's the what's the word? He's the he's the he's lead, the official. The, the official. He's not even the caddy. He's the right. he's the official of the the underground tournament. <laughs> um, he's like the umpire. He tells Cervic that his team will forfeit, and so he'll lose the money. He chooses they. So instead of doing that, they choose Danny to play against smells and his partner with ty and um, the fact that danny accepts is basically him uh saying i don't need to go to college <laughs> yeah that's basically what he's doing because he's not going to get the scholarship because he's playing against smells right and there conclude that that concludes his character arc <laughs> yay <laughs> riveting stuff here man riveting stuff. don't be a pretentious ass riveting <laughs> This is a comedy, damn it. <laughs> Me of all people telling you to lighten up about a film breakdown. Hey. I, I wasn't going to point that out, but that is quite remarkable. Danny eventually decides he would rather humiliate uh, Smells than take the scholarship. And that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'd rather not. I don't, he, like you mentioned, he finally realizes, look, he, he goes, everything that I thought meant something doesn't. And it took that to realize. Yep. They reach the final hole. Now the score is tied on the final hole. Danny's about, this is where it all converges, like we talked about before with the gopher, right? Because Danny's about to attempt this real difficult putt from 12 feet. (laughs) It's a tough putt. It is a tough putt. It's a tough putt. It is a tough putt. Anything beyond six feet is can be pretty difficult, depending on the the lie. I remember Um, that from my merit badge. And the read. The one time you play golf? The one time Brandon First time golf. I play golf. The second time, not so much. He I got play. his uh, golf merit badge in the scouts. Yes. Good yeah. job, man. And then went and slept with a girl from Milan. <laughs> Cheated on his Latina girlfriend. Mm. <laughs> Worth it. Um, and at this point, uh, also, as Danny's ready to take this final putt, Cervic, even though he's faked the injury, is still wagering. He bumps it. He says, I'll, well, it doesn't make any sense because he said double or nothing. Which, he, which makes it like 160. It's like, it was like 80. It goes up to 80. He's and like, then it goes double to or nothing. 160,000. But it means that if he misses, then he doesn't owe him anything. Right. But if he makes it, then he owes him 80 grand. But yeah. that's not how it works because at the yeah. end, he still asks for money. True. <laughs> the ending, I got a couple, couple issues with the ending. We'll go. So, this is where we're at. So they come up here, and Lou, you know, s- delivers some nice exposition. He says, it's tied. Yeah. So uh, Smales' partner misses the putt, and then 
Smales makes the putt. Mm-hmm. Ty. He's clutch. Ty Smales misses, is clutch. Yeah, he is. Ty misses the putt. Mm-hmm. So here's what I don't understand. Danny's putt is to tie. Mm-hmm. It's to not lose. It's not to win. They don't win if he makes the putt. They just tie. And then they should go on to extra holes. But I, they're acting as if this is to win the thing. I got to re-check. Even, even Ty comes up to me and says, no pressure. If you miss it, we lose. But it doesn't. that doesn't mean that they win. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, plot are, hole, man. No, it's no, a no, plot no, no. hole. Are they tying it up so that they can continue playing, but then they can't continue playing because... The course gets blown up. But remember, Rodney Dangerfield, after the course gets blown up and the ball goes in the hole, Rodney Dangerfield comes up to Smale and said, you owe me 40 grand. And he goes, I'm not going to pay you anything. Yeah. And I figured it. Well, Smale refuses to pay. Right. Even though they... But we forgot the convergence of the story. Yeah. We'll get... Yeah. Because Danny... and, And I'll have to double check. I believe you, but I can't remember the exact line and like do the... Does the scorecard add up? Right. I don't know. I'm pretty the sure. I'm like... Viewers out there. 98%. Let's, let's check Alan's breakdown of the score and see if the scorecard holds this up. This is important stuff here. It man. is impo- this is important I'm, stuff. I'm a sports guy. I like sports. I know yeah. you are. So I'm with you. I just can't remember the verbiage of what's said and where they sit on the score. So I got to double check the scorecard. Yeah. I, 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 know, I know I'm but right interesting. on this one, but yeah, Okay. I yeah. feel you. I'm not R- saying right you're not. Right here on the screen, we'll have the results of our research. <laughs> no, we won't. I know. <laughs> um, but here's where they converge because he puts it and it sits right on the fringe of the mm-hmm. hole, right on the lip. And it looks as though they're going to lose. It stops right it there. It stops right there. It's just right on the, the, the edge. And you're like, oh, and everyone's disappointed. Like, ah. And then, because Carl, a.k.a. Bill Murray, the the assistant groundskeeper, had been planting gopher explosives (laughs) all over the... (laughs) Those scenes, by the way, we're going to throw a couple of these in the podcast. He's been planting these gopher explosives explosives all over... He detonates them at the moment that Danny barely misses the putt. And yep. as a result, the power from the explosives knocks the ball in for the victory. And or according, according to Allen, the tie. The tie. Good old Lou is, is taking his job as, as the official very seriously, and he's staring at the ball. He's just staring yeah. at the ball, making sure it goes in. Yeah. And it goes in. And then Cervic throws out the greatest line of the movie in, in Allen's mind. As it, so then they celebrate. It's a whole thing, and then serving everyone's at a they're you know excited, oh and God. it's a wild party. And then all of a sudden, Servic yells out, "Hey, everybody, we're gonna get laid!" What the fuck? Like, like Brandon, in when he was twenty-one, <laughs> with the girl from Milan. Oh my God! I don't understand the line. I just it's. But that's not even the final scene. No, cause. This is the better final scene. Correct. Then it all ends. Danny's victorious in his in his arc of character. Everybody else that didn't matter falls by the wayside. Danny comes out victorious. <laughs> and Q in the final scene, the gopher emerges unharmed and dances to, to Kenny, Kenny Loggins. Loggins. Good God. 
Good I'm all right. Don't <laughs> to worry about me. Kenny, Kenny Loggins had no idea he was writing a theme song right, for a gopher. Right. Just for the record. And I'm... so kicked off the 80s. And there was 1980. The start of a templated version of comedy films that would use this template as their as their as their, as their template on for how sure. to structure certain comedies for at least five, six, seven, eight years. Definitely. I, w- I would argue the whole decade, all, maybe even further than that. And I maybe mean, all further. the way up to like, I mean, Happy Gilmore is essentially the same template. Yeah, I mean, you look I mean, at the I American mean, Pie movies. That's kind of the same thing. Happy Gilmore is great. It's I fantastic. mean, look at Happy Gilmore. It was basically a very okay. I've got to get my grandma's house back. A lot of throwaway jokes that don't have a lot to do right. with it. The Gophers essentially is a caddy. Right. I mean, right. It, that's what I mean. It's like I, it was. It it went so far. Five, six years, sure, solid, but I still feel like yeah, for that's, sure, a, for sure. that's a and way to go back to. We didn't talk about my favorite scene, though, Okay, which is Bill Murray and Chevy Chase together on screen. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's great. I Like, the, the big Bob Marley joint line is one of my favorites of all time. And he's like, you got a big Bob Marley joint here. Oh, hi, Carl. How you doing? Oh, oh uh, hi. Hi. Mind if I play through? Uh, sure, go right ahead. What are you, getting in a late night or something? Yeah, I was just loosening up a bit. Was that uh, your ball I heard rambling through? Yeah, did you see my ball? ball? Hello? Titleist? That's it. Yeah, it's right here. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, uh, it's really awful. Well, I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Uh, I'm an assistant greenskeeper. They say that doesn't mean anything, you know, until I'm the head greenskeeper. Uh, can you give me a ruling on this? Well, sit down. Come on. Make no, I don't, I don't want to stick to anything in here. Uh, well, here, take this thing off. This is dirty. Nah, don't go to too much trouble, please. Here, fire up. Uh, with my lips? Yeah. I don't think right so, on. Carl. Just right back. If I could just borrow a wedge or something and get right... If you can open a curtain up out there somewhere, I can get right through that window. People say, you know... I'm an idiot or something because all you is cut lines for a living, you know? Oh, uh, people don't say that about you as far as you know. Well, I'm working on it, you know, so I don't ever have to, you know, I'm going to be the head greenskeeper. Hopefully within six years, that's my, my schedule. But I, I'm studying a lot of this stuff so I know it, you know, like, uh, you know, chinch bugs, you know, manganese. A lot of people don't even know what that is, you know. Great, Carl. Can I get a... Nitrogen, you know. You just open a curtain or something over there and I can just get right I up. invented my own kind of grass, too. Do you know that? Look at this. This is registered. Carl Spacker Bench. Oh, yeah. I've felt grass like this before. I've played on this. Stuff. This is a hybrid. This is a cross, uh, a, a bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass uh, featherbed bench and uh, Northern California sensimia. The amazing stuff about this is that you can play 36 holes on it in the afternoon, take it home and just get stoned in a bejesus belt that night on this stuff. I got pounds of this stuff. Here. No, thank you. No, I don't, I don't, uh... Sir, let's have a little bit of this. I get a big Bob Marley joint. Look at this. Here, try this. Carl, I, uh, I really don't do this very often. You're gonna love this. this is dynamite hack. Watch out for this. Well, uh, maybe one drag, I gotta go. <coughs> it's a little harsh. <coughs> but here, cannonball it. <coughs> I'll go right back. <coughs> And then one more, and he's right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. <laughs> he's just coughing. He's just coughing. He's like, yeah, it's kind of harsh. Cannonball it. Cannonball it. <laughs> and some of this is, is probably, I mean, it's just like moonshine, right? He's growing it out of his bathtub. 
He's like making this shit. Uh, did they? Did, that was like. Did they ever share, share the screen again after that? No, no I, don't I don't think know. they did. Not think in this so. movie. I don't. I don't well, know. No, if they ever the, did. I don't think they ever did. Yeah, I don't know because I think the rivalry was too. But it's just so good. Like because yeah. this is the two of them. I don't want to say Bill Murray on top of his game, but he's definitely the highlight of the movie for me. I mean, this Chevy is where Chase you get, on top of his game. I mean, that scene is is pretty. Uh, it's all time. It's yeah. classic. It's yeah. like you have two, uh, two comedic actors on a climb to their apex of of movie making. Right, right. They're not there yet, but they're on their way. What comes in subsequent years, and that scene. It's almost the genesis of both. Yeah, of them. yeah. exactly. It's like here's these you two. You can see it. Yeah, and and I, I also love the line where. Bill Murray's like, yeah, sit down. He's like, well, I don't want to stick to anything. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me where you rate it and kind of give me your overall final summary of the movie. Um, It's it's good for what it is. It's not it's not a great movie. It's actually not even a very good movie as far as I'm concerned. But there are some very memorable and great things in the movie. And I like that. But as far as a movie goes, it's not. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's just it's dumb fun. Um, I can't rate it very high. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six Bob Marley joints. Okay, out of ten. All right. And and where are you at, Brandon? Give us a little final summary and uh, where you're rating it uh, all time or not of, all time, but just for this film of the movies of the '80s. It's it's actually not one of the higher ones in my book. I have other ones that are much higher. Well, give that us I enjoy. one example: uh, Ghostbusters, for example, or um. Uh, the Lampoon Vacation movie, uh, uh, Goonies. Um, I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of other comedies that that I go to more than sure. than Caddyshack. I do own it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't say that I don't. Um, so I will give it seven pool turds. Pool? No, not turds. Uh, duties. Bruce. Duties. Duties. Yeah. Duties. duties seven seven uh, pool duties because again and a lot of those points come from the performances and, yeah i mean and the props for putting together it's 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 a well put together movie for mr amos okay good um yeah i'll just i'll just sum it up with a couple scores from rotten tomatoes and then i'll throw mine in there rotten tomatoes at the uh critic tomato meter is at 74% Hmm. Higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, where did you think it'd land? I, I, I critic I didn't in the sixties. Kind High of 60s, was my guess. Yeah, audience my I guess. figured be like somewhere in the nineties would be my guess. Eighty-seven for the audience. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's 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 right there sitting there. IMDb's got it at seven point three out of ten. That's actually pretty high for IMDb. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. IMDb's usually quite a bit lower. Yeah, I think. This film is, uh, I think, because of where it came from, you know, early 80s or 1980, and what we talked about, how it led up to a template for certain other films to piggyback off that structure and style and the Mm -hmm. one-liners and the improv and the the absurdity and kind of how it's put together. I mean, I, I kind of, I lay that into my score a little bit, seeing that it came from there, there is a sense of originality to it because you didn't see a lot of... I mean, there's still campy, silly comedies mm-hmm. before that, but this kind of set, a, like we mentioned, a different template. So I kind of lay that into my score a little bit. 
Um, I Right before I throw into the score, I just wanted to read a couple quick little trivias. We've already covered quite a bit of them, so there's not a whole whole lot to, to go over. Brandon was pretty informative on his his watching of the... Here's, here's one that research. I wanted to run by Alan, though, because I think uh, this is... I want to get his... Uh, is this legit? Is this real? According to the golf rule 16-2... Oh, God. <laughs> when any... This is what we have to time, because Alan's a stickler for the scorecard at the end. Yeah. So I'm a stickler for... Even if that was the putt to win, and it counted, let me read you this rule... And we got to be able to go back and do our homework, and I'll tell you, you'll see why. When any part of the ball overhangs the lip of the hole, the player is allowed enough time to reach the hole without unreasonable delay and an additional 10 seconds to determine whether the ball is at rest. That's damn generous. If by then the ball has not fallen into the hole, it is deemed at rest. That's generous. So what I'm saying is, okay. in the cut of the film, does Danny's ball, even if it's not complete time and space, but the way they've edited it and put it together, right. are we at 10 seconds? I think we're over 10 seconds. I, I because he's got to walk there and then have 10 seconds. Whoever wrote this doesn't, because they say Danny never reaches the hole due to the explosion, and therefore Rule 16 is not invoked. So he has to walk to the hole? I don't understand this rule we're going to have to double check here, this one. Here, here's, here's a little yeah. technicality here. It, so the rule is uh, they have to walk to the hole without unreasonable delay. That's what it said. Unreasonable delay. If there are fucking explosions going on all over the golf course, I think it's <laughs> acceptable that it's a, I think it's a reasonable delay <laughs> if you're distracted before you walk to the hole. True. True. This could be another... So this is another part of that scene we need to examine. Yeah. We need to double-check Rule 16-2, and we also need to double-check the scorecard based on... Yeah. Ground-breaking research, people. Everybody, you we need are. to get in there Dude, and do this your, is some hard-hitting shit right here. Do your homework. <laughs> I mean, figuring this out, curing cancer. Is, yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, it's neck and neck. This is like really some sports is. science shit right here. <laughs> I'm going to have to check my... Uh, Okay. Golfing merit badge handbook to see if that particular rule is in my... Because Brandon is so... Oh, here we go. Because I got one for Alan, and now I have one for Brandon. Yeah. Because he paused the scene where the caddies jumped on each other and broke the gumball machine. Remember, he uh, counted all the gumballs? Yeah. He calcu <laughs> Now, Brandon calculated that it was pause. about $75 equivalent to 500 in today's money. Okay. So we need to double check those inflation oh, okay, rates. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm but okay with that. Also, Brandon, while you were pausing and looking at that scene, <laughs> during Lou's speech after the gumball machine incident, his speech after, right? Okay. And, and so because you were so in tune with that section of the movie. Very right? much in tune, yes. Yes. Okay. I know. <laughs> the ballpoint pen that is attached to the front of his shirt oh my God. is relocated to a what position from a below button position to from a below button position to a what position? Hold on. Come on, Rain Man. Use those Rain Man powers. So he has I a pin. I believe it's up his ass. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> All right, we'll have to uh, do a little. Uh, Luckily for us, yeah. somebody's done it. <laughs> from a below button position 
to an above? <laughs> I am a goddamn genius. I am a goddamn oh, genius. Okay, Caddyshack. Um, I think everybody should go watch this film. I think it's fun. It's silly. It carries no tone of, of, of thinking. You don't have to think. You don't have to put in effort. You can just enjoy it and have a good time. It's it, a good historical slice of kind of it's what a slice was of historical yeah, comedy. what was going on at the time. Yeah, and, I yeah, agree with that 100%. That's, that's, yeah. And it kind of did, as far as films go, kind of did usher in the 80s. It really did. Totally brought it in. Yeah. And then you get iconic legends in terms of comic acting like Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. I mean, those are huge, huge names. Bill Murray to this day. Chevy Chase kind of fell off the map. Yeah. After Community, he did the mm. TV show Community, but he hasn't done really much then. Murray's still going strong. Oh, he, he'll yeah. always go strong. Um, and and Ramis went a long, long time before he did his too. Death. He, yeah. was, yeah. he was he was working it for until his passing. Um, and Kenny Loggins, thank God, didn't go past like 1989. <laughs> so Ken, no, it was about 87. After Top Gun, Kenny Loggins fell off the face yeah. of the earth. Yeah, it's kind of like Michael Bolton. <laughs> Wait, from Office Space or yeah. the other? Why should I have to change my name? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, for Caddyshack, because of these things we talked about, I'm going to actually give it an 8 out of 10. Um, so I think it's something that you, you should go watch, and it's fun. And like we talked about, there's something there that um, is inspiring for uh, comedy films going forward. So Amen, Reverend. 8 gophers out of 10. 8 gophers. Eight gophers. Everybody go watch Caddyshack. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. Um, comment uh, on Brandon's sexual exploitations. Please do. <laughs> please do. And let us know if his, if, is he... Oh, God. <laughs> is he wrong? Yeah, is, it, <laughs> is, 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 is Alan right or is Brandon I'm right? I'm just happy because after my movie selection last week with Martyrs, I'm happy that I'm exiting this episode with the moral high ground. <laughs> <laughs> that is I had true. To do That's, something to redeem myself. He's here. redeeming himself after <laughs> having us watch Martyrs. Yeah. This is the Caddy Shack. This is Tame Aperture Podcast. Go check us out at uh, tameaperture.com on all streaming platforms. Subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Until next time, this is uh, Gabe, Allen, and Brandon signing out. Tame Aperture Podcast. Peace. Bye. The Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.